It's time to stand for the reading of the word, Acts chapter 8. For those of us who stayed home on a long weekend, guess what? You get re rewarded with a great story from scripture. <laughs> Whether you want it or not, here it comes. Acts chapter 8. We're reading from the New Revised Standard Version this morning. We're beginning halfway down the chapter with verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up. Go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and he went, and now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He's in charge of her treasury. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to the chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. The word of God. You can be seated. Now, get your phones ready. Whether you're watching online or you're here in the sanctuary, everyone get your phones ready because we're gonna take a survey in a moment on this story. So if, we're watching, if you're watching from wherever you are this weekend, home or by the ocean or in the mountains, or if you showed up live in person in the sanctuary, grab your phone. In a moment, we're gonna take a survey about this story. Because that's only part of it. I want to keep reading. There's Philip. We remember his name if you were with us last week. If we've missed you for any of the series, you can jump online on our website and stay with the story. Philip is one of these deacons who's assigned to feed widows, and apparently he's also an evangelist too. And the Spirit tells him to go, and he meets this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's in the chariot. He can hear him reading a scroll from Isaiah. Do you understand it? No. How can I unless someone helps me? Philip gets in. Here's the rest of the story beginning uh, with verse whatever comes up on the screen. Like a sheep, uh, what is he reading? He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. So what are you reading? I'm reading this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? for his life is taken away from this earth. Story continues, verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does this prophet, Isaiah, say that this is about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water by the road, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And so he commanded his chariot to stop, both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, because that's what happens in the book of Acts. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way. What church went on his way what? All right, let's hang on to that word this morning. He went on his way rejoicing. So this is a thick, large, dense story this morning. I have a question for you. If you are in charge of the world and or the sermon, the remaining 20 minutes, with your phone in your hand, there'll be a survey on the screen and there's a number you'll text and we'll have some options and you choose. What is it you'd like to hear more about with this story? You'd like to hear more about what? The first one, I'm gonna read because the options look small, but when you text, uh, you're going to slido.com, correct? 
and you're joining hashtag La Sierra Church, slido.com, whether you're online or in the sanctuary. Let me give you a minute to go to slido.com, hashtag La Sierra Church, and this should pop up in front of you. Your choices. I'd like to hear more about, the first one says, a Greek. If you don't have a phone in your hand, I'm gonna read them to you. If you're just watching us, I'll read to you. I'd like to hear more about a Greek meeting an Ethiopian in Gaza. B, I'd like to hear more about eunuchs in the Bible. Number three, I'd like to hear more about Bible study done right. I'd like to hear the next one more about the Holy Spirit. The last one, I'd like to hear more um, we said baptism, right? The next one, Holy Spirit. The last one, I'd like to hear something more relevant for 2021. That's the last option in the survey. And we're gonna wait while you uh, register your opinions and see what the survey says, whether you're watching online, welcome Facebook campus, whether you're in the sanctuary. I'd, oh my word, you people, I'd like something more relevant we're at 45% for the last answer so far. Isn't this great? Because how do you know what sermon you're gonna get based on your answers? We're still waiting for more to come in. I'd like to hear more about the Holy Spirit is edging out, coming close to something more relevant for 2021. Bible study, yeah. A Greek meeting in Ethiopian and Gaza, yeah. Baptism is at zero. Nobody wants to talk about baptism this morning. Nobody's curious that the Ethiopian eunuch sees a little piece of water and says, stop the chariot. Can't I get baptized? I can, and it happens that quickly. Nobody wants to talk about that. It's okay. Instead, we'll give you 14 weeks of Bible studies here, and then we'll baptize you. Oh, now you want to talk about baptism? <laughs> All right, so far about half of us want something much more relevant to 2021. Oh, Jesus, you gave us these people. All right, Diva, let's close the survey because that, that's, that's our answer right there. <laughs> we would much rather talk about something more relevant in 2021. Good, I'm glad you came to worship today. Years and years and years ago, I remember standing at the door and this gentleman came out my door and said, huh, that was a decent sermon I didn't want. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, church. That was a decent sermon I didn't want. The entire remainder of the book of Acts is probably what we don't want. The entire remainder of the story will be moment by moment by moment. In fact, that's how we live our lives, friends. Our lives are not these long linear events. They're a collection of moments by moments by moments. Well, that's the rest of the book of Acts. Moments by moments connected. Probably everything else we read from here on out, none of us really want. Last week we suggested, I'm suggesting, it's improvisation. They're off script. What that means is they've left Jerusalem. What they take with them is their memories of Jesus, their memories of their shared life together, and they're on the road scattered in Jerusalem. And so now, moment by moment, episode by episode, strange things like this will be happening to them. Here's our random moment today. Philip the deacon, he's supposed to be a bottle washer. He sweeps floors, but apparently he's an evangelist too. He meets a man who's far from home. 
So the man supposedly, Ethiopia, is the outer realms of the known world during Jesus' time. He's African. He's wealthy because he works for whom? The queen. He has access to money. He takes control of the treasury. He's not only from Ethiopia. That's thought to be the blackest of black skin at that time. He's far from home. And he's a eunuch, the Bible says. Now, I didn't give a parental warning for today. I didn't warn us last week, so I go carefully now. And if you need to exit, you need to exit. But I'll go carefully now with what's in the Bible. Here is a man called a half-man or an unman by the Roman standards. According to Roman standards, he was born into slavery if he's born this way. Or when they castrated men, they castrated them to make them slaves. And they didn't have to worry about their desires and their temptations. They could simply work hard for the empire and become victims of stronger people, yeah. Here's a man the Roman Empire calls an unman or a half-man. But it's not only the Greco-Roman Empire, the Mediterranean world, it's also the nation of Israel. The story says that this man is, went to the temple to worship. So he's from Jesus' people. That's, by the way, our people too. He's come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to be inside the temple. There's a pretty good guess he was turned away because the nation of Israel has an idea about these bodies, broken and profane. Let me, this afternoon you could read Leviticus 21 or 22 or from Deuteronomy, this text will summarize Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse one. No one who's been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. It's the religious people talking. Did we want something more relevant for 2021? The most obvious question, why would you take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? They're not gonna let you inside your building. What are you doing? And why do you have a scroll of Isaiah in your hand? It's expensive. And can you even read it? Probably not. What is this guy doing? Clearly he's committed and clearly he's eager. This is our man from Acts chapter eight. As soon as this Ethiopian grasps a picture and an image of Jesus, he asks, pull over the chariot, can I get baptized? I can get baptized. I'll tell you, Philip, baptize me right now. As soon as he meets Jesus. And the gospel now goes with this man to the ends of the earth. This is the way Christianity tells the story. You wanna know how the gospel got to Africa? Maybe this man, hundreds of years, generations later. And that's usually the end of the story and the moral of the story. I'm very interested in a guy from Ethiopia wandering around the Gaza Strip with a scroll from Isaiah that he probably can't read. I'm very interested in a guy, trans he's, he's, he, 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 he's crossing over generations and centuries and cultures and languages and customs and traditions, eager for an experience that's right outside his reach. Acts 8 quotes Isaiah 53. That's the passage we read earlier. Do you understand this? No, I can't. Can you help me? It's one of the passages we read now. We read it in light of Jesus, one of the suffering servant passages. Jesus, the suffering servant for us. Jesus, the suffering servant for all humans. Buried inside this one conversion story, though, is this cultural challenge we all face when we open the Bible. He's got a text that didn't come to him in his own language and in his own tradition, and it's traveled through people for generations and centuries, people he's never meant. The Bible, 
It's been translated, it's been paraphrased, it's been digitized, it's been set to music, it's been illustrated. The Bible that you and I read, it's been annotated and cross-referenced. That's the Bible you and I have open today. We need help understanding our Bibles. Here's the Bible telling us this won't be easy. We will need help understanding scripture. Many of you reached out during pandemic and said, you know, our family's gonna buy a new Bible. What translation should we get? Many of you reached out, which is beautiful, which means, I take to mean, many of us were thinking about this while we were sheltering at home. Maybe a little more Bible in our life is good. The Bible tells us when we open scripture like this, it's comforting to me to know when we open it, it might be a little bit difficult to read and to understand. We might expect to need help. Expect we'll need experts and helpers along the way. We all need helpers along the way. It's always been this way. Students of scripture helping students of scripture. There's a popular movement in evangelical Christianity today that actually critiques specialists of scripture and, and, and scholarly work. That's very popular in evangelical Christianity right now. We don't need help. It's the plain word of God. Well, let me tell you the plain truth about that. Most of us came to our understanding of scripture by someone else. Most of us inherited our understanding of scripture. There's very little plain reading in the Bible. When Jesus said, love God with all of our minds, I think he meant this. Open your Bibles and prepare, it might be a little bit of work. But the story tells us none of us should be left alone with the text, and I love this part of the story. Here's one student asking for help from another, and together they journey with an open Bible. Bible tells us, hey, don't, don't try and do this by yourself. I had a delightful conversation with one of my mentors this week, a specialist, if you can believe this, in ancient Greek who writes Greek dictionaries. Does anybody care? I said, how have you been doing this last year? I've written a lot. I'm just buried under my genitive absolutes. It's grammatical construction of a sentence. He talked about his genitive absolutes. I said, I don't think I know a pastor who cares about genitive absolutes. He says, as they should not. <laughs> All of us need help understanding scripture because as we meandered in our conversation today, we talked almost two hours, yet this week, talked almost two hours. I said, well, I don't care about genitive absolutes, but I care about perfect participles. I was taught when I find one of those to preach the pants off it. He said, well, I wouldn't go that far. I said, oh yeah? What if I tell you there's a tense in the Bible, a perfect participle, where a thing happens in the past, but the consequences and the ramifications and the results of the one-time thing that happened in the past is present in the future and forever and ever and ever. What if I tell you Ephesians 2, 8, this verse we love, for by grace you have been saved. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not the result of works. What if I tell you there's a perfect participle in there which means we have been saved, a one-time action in the past which lasts the rest of our lives. We don't have to wake up every morning wondering again and again and again if we are saved. There was an amen. Because it's a one-time action in the past, we will never fall out of the grip, grip of grace, friends. This is what happens when we study our Bibles together. But it'll be a little bit of work. By the way, if you have a Bible open, if you have a Bible open, the Pew Bibles are NIV, 
Look at Acts chapter 8. Scroll down to around verse 36. We'll put a screen on the picture of what it looks like from the online Bible. Notice that verse 37 is missing. I'll read verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What is it to prevent me from being baptized? And then we go on to verse 38. Did you know this, this happens in our Bible sometimes? If you prefer the King James Version, you have that verse in your Bible. The King James Version, verse 37 says, Philip said, can we have it back on the screen for just a minute? Verse 36, thank you. As they were looking along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? Verse 37, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is because the King James Bible, this translation is compiled, put together around the 1500s, and way much longer after that, more things are dug up out of the ground, friends, more transcripts, more, more text, and your newer translations, the one I read, the New Revised Standard Version, is based on even older manuscripts that get us closer to Jesus' time. So if you read from a King James Version, you have a few more extra verses the rest of us don't have in our Bible. Not because the King James Bible is more holy. Can we put that to rest? It's okay if you, we prefer it. It's because more has been dug up out of the ground and the scholars have been at work. The Bible has been on its own journey. This means, friends, that the Bible, to have our Bibles open is more work, not less. It is more work did you pick up the story from South Carolina this, uh, this month? A person who tried to carjack a school bus and he gets on with a rifle not knowing there's 18 kindergarten students on the bus. So all he wants is the bus driver to go to the next town 15 miles away and then these children start talking. He wasn't ready for that. Well, who are you? Well, are you a soldier? Well, are you going to hurt him? Hey, are you going to hurt us? Where are we going? The guy lasted four miles, and he said, pull the bus over. I am not doing this. <laughs> I chose the wrong bus to hijack. I am not doing 18 kindergartners for a bus. Told them all to get out. Left them on the side of the road. He drove away. Forget that business. We can feel like that about our Bibles. Am I telling the truth this morning? It's hard work. This is not easy. And the Bible witnesses to us this morning from this story in Acts 8, don't expect it will be easy. Expect to do it together. You'll need your Bibles open together. It means we invest more time. It means more time teaching our children and our youth and our college students how to do this. It means Sabbath school isn't just for children. In this sermon series, we called it Start With Why because we're wondering at this intersection in the pandemic, right? As we're coming alive, oh my word, are we coming alive this holiday weekend? The world is up and awake. And as we're coming alive and back to church, we want to be intentional in this intersection and ask ourselves, what is the community we want to be knowing what we know after we've been through this year? I suggested four questions at the beginning of this sermon series a few weeks ago. What do we truly want back. What can we thank and release? What can we create? Because we can now. 
What must we finally attend to? Because it's wrong to ignore. From Acts chapter eight, I'd like to add two priorities to our post-pandemic church. The first one has to do with the Bible. What can we create? We can create a church with more Bibles open, more of us. It is always good news when any one of us has a Bible open. More of us with Bibles open. Have you found your Bible study group yet? Did you create it yet? Are you ready now? Because Pastor Raywin is ready to help us create more Bible study groups. More Bible in our homes, more Bible with our kids. We did Tuesday at the Text through pandemic primarily because we wanted to have the Bible open more. I'd like to put this priority in our post-pandemic church, more Bible. And then I'd like to add one more. What must the church do? What must we attend to now? Because it's wrong to ignore. Do we have courage yet after 15 months at home for some things? Acts 8 verse 9 says this, the spirit said to Philip, go over to that chariot and join. Join yourself, it's an interesting word. Join yourself, it's the word for attach, cleave to, hang on, stick with the chariot for a while. It's not a gentle word, it's an aggressive word. Get over there and attach yourself to that eunuch's life and that eunuch's story. Does the eunuch need Philip or does Philip need the eunuch? Yes, yes, the Spirit says go. The Spirit's nudging and pushing Philip into places where the disciples would not go except that there's divine urgency. The Spirit compels people, get over there. God comes for the eunuch, friends, because the eunuch belongs to God. And the eunuch belongs to us, and we belong to the eunuch. Philip, he shouldn't be surprised because Jesus taught this. This afternoon, open your Bibles after you've eaten your lunch and read Matthew 19. There's a little text in there we rarely talk about. When Jesus is asked a question about divorce and the family, he says, remember, eunuchs come to us three ways in this world. Some are born this way, some are made this way, some make it themselves this way. Remember, there will be people in this world whose bodies are traumatized. Remember that they belong to the body of Christ. Jesus warned the Jesus movement to come after him. You're gonna find eunuchs in your future. Are you ready? A group of people that you think don't belong. Enter their story, belong to their story. You don't have to make them uniform people. You don't have to make them standardized people. You don't have to make them, you don't have to make them, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to be identical people. The blackest of black skin, a eunuch whose body has been harmed or mutilated can find a home with Jesus. The eunuch experiences this, the text said, rejoicing with freedom and joy in Christ. Philip doesn't correct him or erase his identity. He doesn't fix anything. He doesn't give him a list of things to do. He gets out of the chariot and baptizes him. And that's the end of the story. He's found his identity in Christ and Philip allows that union to happen. Now, will he be able to keep it? Will he be able to grow it? This author we've been listening to for the whole series, Willie James Jennings, says, the eunuch moves forward into the future of the church and lives their entire life as a question the church has yet to answer. 
There are people living their lives today waiting for the church to answer. The movement of Jesus to embrace them. There are people waiting and listening to my voice right now. Who are the, peop- who are the people nearest to you and me that the Spirit is prompting us towards? Who are the people you know in your lives? We need to attach ourselves to their story, their story attached to ours. Who do you know? One thing we know the Christian church can't do is we can't deny our history on these topics. We can't deny when we've treated our siblings poorly, when we find people who don't conform or who don't meet the standardized experience. We can't deny that it's been difficult, friends. This week when we looked up to the lunar eclipse, many of you did, right? This uh, alignment of the earth and the moon and the sun. Griffith Observatory opened their platform. These are maybe not the best pictures in the world of the eclipse, but they're beautiful. They left their platform open. Their YouTube platform was open for hours overnight. If any of you listened to it, I checked it a few times. Beautiful music accompanying the pictures of the lunar eclipse. You can go there yourself and listen today. As all eyes are on the heavens and watching the planet, the shadow. If you look at the If you review the statistics and the analytics of this YouTube video, you'll see that 9.2 thousand people, something like 9,000 people watched this video. I think I might be off. We'll see our stat in a minute. 9,000 people watched these pictures, and down at the bottom, they liked it, 9.2 thousand. And 193,000, people gave it a thumbs down. (laughs) I do not like these pictures. I do not like the Griffith Observatory. I don't like lunar eclipses. I don't like people who stay up all night. I don't know what they don't. What's not to like? I logged on early in the day and there were only 20 people who didn't like it. But after the event happens, there's 193 people don't like the lunar experience. Who are these people? And some of you want to say to me, remember there will always be difficult people in this world. Remember there will always be negative people. Remember there are people who find something wrong with everything. You want me to know that, right? And this is what people sometimes say about the body of Christ. Sometimes they say of me and you, these are those difficult people, they find something wrong. There's a dissonance between the God who so loved the world and the people of God who have reservations. I would love the post-pandemic church to get clear on this. And if you're listening to my voice today and you have, you, you have a body that lets you down or that frustrates you or that you know is beautiful but you haven't found your people yet, maybe we can be your people. Maybe this church can be your people. Philip does nothing more in this story but allow the baptism to happen, allow joy to come over the eunuch, and then he goes on his way. Bodies are complicated, friends, all of our bodies, and they all belong to the body of Christ. I would love to add this to our priorities post-pandemic, that the body of Christ rise above and go low, go deep. Rise above the chatter in the world. Rise above social stigma. Rise above hate. Rise above rhetoric and go deep with people. Sit with people. Attach ourselves to people and their stories. It's very simple to say to someone, tell me about yourself and tell me more and tell me more.
The prophet Isaiah predicted that the Ethiopian eunuch could find a community one day who could do this because the prophet knew already God's vision for God's community. As we close this morning, listen to these verses, Isaiah 56. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They shall not be cut off. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. Friends, there are people God will gather to the body of Christ. Are we ready for that? We can trust that the Spirit's already alive working in your story and mine, working in everyone's story. We can trust that God will make all things beautiful in God's time. There are simply questions we don't need to ask and answers we don't deserve because the body of Christ is the solidarity unit, is the family. Belonging to the body, that's at God's discretion. So I am on a 20-year personal journey on this topic, I will tell you that. And I didn't need 20 years of Bible study and I didn't need councils and summits and church boards and large ecclesial gatherings to persuade me because the Spirit's been alive in my gut telling me there's a right thing to do. That same Spirit's alive in you, church. It's been almost 20 years since I was called up the street. Someone asked me to come pray for a family member. His name was George and I met George in the yard. And George's body was not well, and he came out into the yard with really dirty jeans and no shirt, and his hair rumpled and tangled and, and track marks up and down one arm and the other. And, and I knew his body was raging with a very active phase of HIV, AIDS. And his family called me to the house, please come pray for George. And I went to the driveway, and George came out literally from behind trees a house not too far from where we're sitting today. I said, hi, hi, George. I'm Chris. I'm from the church. It's nice to meet you. In my right hand, I extended. And George looked at my hand, and then he looked at his two hands. Dirty and grubby they were. And then he looked at my hand, and then he looked at his two hands. And so I leaned in a little. It's so nice to meet you. He looked at his dirty hands again. Well, she came from the church. She's dressed. He took those two hands, and he put them back inside of his jean pocket. And he shrugged his shoulders down, and he took some steps away from me. That was the day the Spirit woke me up. It turns out I didn't go to George's house for George. I went for Chris Oberg. <laughs> I would like to think that George changed 20 years of my ministry, and he probably changed the La Sierra University Church friends. 
expect the Spirit to break through. Amen.